If you have your Bibles tonight, I'm asking you to turn with us to the book of First Chronicles, the book of First Chronicles, and I want to look in chapter number 12. First Chronicles chapter number 12. I'll ask you if you will stand to your feet as we look at the first two verses of this chapter. First Chronicles chapter number 12. Now these are they that came to David to Ziklag while he yet kept himself close because of Saul the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. They were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even of Saul's brethren of Benjamin. First Chronicles chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, if correctly read. From these verses tonight, we're thinking about those who were using both the right hand and the left hand. I want to preach on this thought tonight. Get both hands in the battle. Father, would you help us tonight to preach the word of God, to rightly divide it, to preach it with the authority as of the oracles of God. Father, I pray that you would help us to boldly declare truth and help us, God, to receive and understand and receive help. For this I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It seems that what we're missing in the day and age in which we live if, is Christians who have both hands engaged in the battle. We live in a day of Christianity that we'll serve if it's convenient to us and we'll serve when it's convenient to us. I, I wonder how our piano player would do if he was playing the piano with just one hand. Come on up here, Brother Seth, and if you would just real quick play Amazing Grace with one hand tied behind your back. And while he's doing that, just imagine our guitarist, if their guitarist got up here, and that's just going to pick with just one hand. Go ahead. That's good, right? He's still getting long. But now let's give him a guitar to play. Come sit down. Imagine he's got one hand to play the piano and he gets along pretty decent. But get another hand playing the guitar. Take our guitar picker. And let him have one hand on the guitar and one hand on the piano. It's not going to sound too good if you've got one hand in the work and one hand in the world. If you've got one hand working to do one thing and the other hand working to do another I would imagine you're going to have some problems. It's not going to make a real pleasant sound. Imagine a violin player with only one hand being able to engage in playing music ministry. What about that? In order for you and I to really be accomplishing what God needs us to do, we've got to get both hands in the battle. We're going to have to let go what we've got a hold of in the world and we're going to have to grab the work of God, not with just one hand, but with both hands. That is if you want to see something accomplished in the day and age in which we lived. I'm pretty sure the Bible still says in Matthew 22 and verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, 
with all thy soul and with all thy mind. That means you need to love him and you need to work for him and serve him with both hands. Amen? Now let's look back at 1 Samuel real quick just to get a little history. 1 Samuel chapter 22. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. David has been anointed as king. Saul is the one who's serving as king. Saul has gotten jealous of David. Saul's going to try to kill David. I read in my Bible probably about nine different times that I can find that Saul tried to kill David. The first time he threw a javelin at him and said, I'm sorry, amen, and turned right around and threw something else at him trying to kill him. Finally, David, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, had to go and hide in the cave of Adullam. Let's read it. 1 Samuel 22, verse number 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, I underline that, and everyone that was in debt, I underline that, and everyone that was discontented, I underline that, distressed, in debt, and discontented, they gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And this crowd just continued to grow to about 600 men. What they've done is they've made David to be their captain while David is in hiding. May I say tonight that you need to make Jesus to be your captain. Jesus needs to be your Lord. Jesus needs to be your King of Kings. Amen. Two years later, David and his men are in the wilderness of Ziph. While they're there, Saul has 3,000 soldiers looking for David to kill him. Saul lays down in a, in a ditch, if you will. And the Bible says it's a trench, and my words is a ditch. He lays down in it with his soldiers around to guard him, and they're looking for David. And Saul goes to sleep, and Abner is in charge of taking care of Saul. And all Saul's men are looking for David. David sees, and Abishai sees Saul down there asleep. They go down there and Abishai says, let me kill your enemy. Let me cut his head off of his body right now. And David says, I will not touch God's anointed. And he takes his, he takes his uh, uh, bolster, he takes a cruise of water, and he brings it back to the other side. And he begins to scream, Abner, you didn't do a good job protecting your king. Whose stuff is this? And Saul looked up and said, I've sinned against you. I said I wasn't going to try to kill you, but here I am again, trying to kill you again and again and again. And you could have easily cut my head off. Boy, you've been more righteous than I have. I sure do appreciate it. And from that point, David knew that Saul was determined to kill him. And David said, I'm going to take my men, 600 men, and we're going to go to the Philistines. We're going to go to Gath. And it gets to the king there, and he says, uh, the king of the king of Philistines, can you give us a place that we could stay, my 600 men? And he gave him Ziklag. And Ziklag, for 16 months, David and his 600 men lived in Ziklag. Now, we read in our text here, we read in our text uh, that the Bible says that these men, verse number one that I read to you, these men that came to David, they came to him when he was in Ziklag. David's already got a catalog of great mighty men, but
But here comes more when he's in Ziklag. What is their purpose? I'm glad you asked. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 10, and then I'm going to preach the word to you. Here is their purpose. The purpose of those 600 mighty men that have already come to David is the purpose of these Benjamites that have come to David there in Ziklag. Verse 10, chapter 11. These also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Do you see that? Their purpose is to make David to be established as king. And I want to tell you something. My job here is to present Jesus Christ and to exalt him high and mighty, lifted up. And our job here is to proclaim that our God reigns, that our Savior has the victory, he has triumphed over evil, and he's won the ultimate accomplishment, amen. He is champion of champions. He is Lord of lords, and he's king of kings. And if you and I are gonna get both hands in the battle, if we're gonna do all we can to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, there's some things we've got to do. And I see in verse number one, there are gonna be some things they're gonna have to overcome. They're gonna have to overcome at least three things. They're gonna have to overcome, first of all, their relatives. Now look who these fellas are who have got both hands in the battle with David. They came to him at Ziklag. The Bible says at the end of verse number two that they were even of Saul's brethren of Benjamin. They're Benjamites. They're gonna have to overcome their relatives. Saul was of the royal family. He's the first king in all of Israel. And when they heard how that David could have killed Saul but wouldn't do it, and then how Saul turned on him again and again and again, they said, our king is not right. David is anointed of God to be king, and we're going to defect from Saul, and we're going to Ziklag to join up with David. We're going to have to leave our relatives behind. Do you understand what they're saying? We're getting past our privilege. We're getting past our pedigree. We're getting past, we are royalty. We're related to King Saul. We could play this out from now on and be famous throughout all Israel, but we'd rather be right with God. And they left their relatives behind and they went with both hands to make sure that King David became the king that he's supposed to be. Think about it. Saul is against him and the mighty men are gathering with him and they took a great chance stepping out by faith. You don't know how many times I've seen so-and-so get mad and watch their entire family who had nothing to do with anything just get mad and another one gets mad and another one gets mad and another one gets mad and they didn't have anything to do with it. They just got upset because of who the relative was. You're going to have to figure out there's a time that you may have to leave your relatives behind. Saul may be mad at David, but these boys said, you know what? I'm going with God's man. 
I'm not going to run around here and pooch lip with you people anymore. I'm going with the man of God and I'm leaving my relatives behind and I'm going to serve God. I don't care who my family is, I'm going to serve God anyway. They left their family behind. Think about it, these Benjamites, there's a time that David uh, gets run off the throne by Absalom and as he's leaving, there's another Benjamite of the, of the family of Saul. Get this, his name is Shimei. The Bible says he began to throw dirt clods at David. He began to kick dirt and stone at him. He began to cuss him. He, he said, you're getting what's coming to you. you. You've lifted up your hand to get Saul and now you're getting what's coming to you, David. You're getting run off. Listen, David has 600 mighty warriors that are together with him and when you're throwing dirt clods at David, you're throwing dirt clods at 600 men of God. You're throwing dirt clods at the Lord's chosen, the Lord's anointed one. I'd be careful who I threw dirt clods at. David said, this, one of his men said, let me go take his head right off his body right now. This will be over. David, you're just humbling yourself. You're just taking the cross here. I mean, really, you, you could defeat Absalom and you'd win this battle. He said, no. Suffered to be so for now. Maybe I deserve to be cussed. Let's let it go. Now I want to say this. Shimei's cussing at David because he's filled with resentment. I'm going to say tonight, not only do you need to leave your relatives, you've got to overcome your relatives, overcome your past privilege, but you're going to have to overcome your resentment. You mad. You upset. I'm telling you, you've got bitterness in your life. You say, oh, preacher Darren, somebody wronged me and, and I wasn't done right. And yes, I'm upset. Honey, if you're going to get both hands in the battle, you're going to have to get past your resentment. You can't hold on to resentment in one hand and serve God in the other. It's going to be a mess with what you're trying to do. Well, preacher Darren, I do well to be mad. I'm telling you, they've done me wrong. Well, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever done anybody wrong? Not me. What would you do to Jesus? You lied. You cussed. You stole his money. You big thief. You big liar. You big left-eyed luster. You going to sit here like you've never sinned? What did you do to Jesus? Huh? He's the one. That, that, that got mistreated, he's the one that's been done wrong. And did he have resentment? Did he have bitterness? No, honey, he let it go. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm gonna tell you what you need to do. You need to get over your resentment. You may say, Preacher Darren, I, I, I need an apology. No, you don't. I'm gonna give you some advice. You need to get over it. No, Preacher Darren, I need about two hours of counseling with you. No, you don't. I'm gonna give you some advice. You need to get over it. You're a big boy now. Pull on your big boy britches and get over it. Be a man and quit being a three-year-old sissy. Amen. Get past your resentment. Put it behind you. It's not worth holding on to anymore. Let that junk go. You don't need to be holding on to this stuff. Let it go, amen, for the glory of God. You're never going to go forward holding on to some bitter experience in the past. You're just dragging it with you. And it's, listen, that thing, do you remember when David killed the giant Goliath? Do y'all remember that story? Oh, you don't know? Listen, David killed the giant. 
nine feet tall, chopped his head off, amen. David killed him. And David took his head back to the armies of Israel and the Saul said, look, their champion's dead. But David didn't bring the carcass with him. David didn't drag that nine-foot carcass. Like, uh, uh. No, it's rotten, it's stinking, it's nasty, it's dead. Leave dead stuff behind. Don't be holding on to the bitter experience of the past while you're trying to go forward. Let the resentment go. Get past your privilege with your relatives. Let the resentment in your past go, preacher dear. It's just not that easy. Honey, it ought to be. It's time, y'all, let me, let me show you how, how hard it is. Look at this. You've got a bitter experience. Here's how hard it is. Just let it go, honey, and it'll fall right off of you, amen. There's a third thing that I see in this scripture. It is their reputation. The Bible says, I can read out of Genesis 49, this is what Jacob said about Benjamin. He said, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. I preached a whole series of messages, 12 messages about the 12 tribes of Israel gathered by their daddy's bedside. And he said, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. What does that mean? He'll devour. He'll divide. If you read the history of the tribe of Benjamin, there's great wickedness. They did ungodly, terrible things. These boys, these boys that are defecting from Saul and are coming to David, they're not what you think they are. They're wicked, ungodly sinners. And they're going to have to leave their reputation behind. I want to read out of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, not Chronicles, 1 Corinthians, chapter number 6. You're turning there. You're turning there. I'm glad, thank God, when I got saved, my reputation is in the past. My past is in the past. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, the Bible says in verse number 9, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor, neither, uh, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were, were some of you, were, past tense, praise God, no longer present, amen, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Time to get past your past. Get, let that business go, amen. You will say, Preacher Darren, can I serve God? You don't exactly know who I was. No, honey, bless God. I don't know who you were and you don't know who, who I were either, amen. And thank God we don't, amen, because it don't matter anymore. Jesus has took care of the past, amen. I went up here to the hospital, my house, I have a, a gas water heater and the gas water heater had, the pilot light had gone out on it and I tried to relight it and waited five minutes and tried to relight it and waited 10 minutes and went down the next time and boom, it lit up on me. Burnt my eyelashes off, burnt, burnt my eyelashes, my eyebrows, front of my hair, my, singed my arms, I was in awful shape. I screamed, my wife come down there, you can smell burnt flesh everywhere. They, she's going to take me to the hospital, but she decided she'd take me to the doctor's office here and they was going to put that silver stuff all over me. And man, I confessed every sin I'd ever committed. I confessed every sin my children would ever commit. I confessed every sin you would commit. God, why did you do this to me? Lord, why did this happen to me? I don't get it, Father. I was trying to do right. Why? And I got, and I was suffering, man. I was up all night. It was terrible. The next morning, some of our people was having knee surgery. And the Lord said, you need to go down there to knee surgery. I said, Lord, I ain't going to knee surgery. God said, you are going to knee surgery because you're the pastor. They expect you to check on them. And I said, well, ain't nobody checked on me. 
I got burnt last night and I've not got one phone call of anybody saying, Preacher Darren, how are you? Are you okay? I heard you about died last night in an explosion. Nobody checked on me, God. God said, I did. Now get down there. Well, I said, okay, God, but I'm not wearing a tie because I'm burnt. So I went down there and when I walked up the steps, there was a nurse there. Blew my mind. The nurse, and I, I walked, I seen a nurse, and her go by, and, and I walked to the room, and the doctor shut the door in my face and said, she just got out of surgery, you're going to have to wait. So I leaned up against the wall. The nurse came back and said, are you preacher, Darren? Yes. Are you willing to talk to somebody that you've never met? Sure. Well, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but come with me. So I began to follow this person. We went down the hallway. They told me, they said they've got cancer, it's terminal, they may not have maybe just a few days to live. Will you talk to them? I went in, introduced myself. The lady was laying there. Uh, she said that, uh, I said, I said, can I pray with you? And, and she said, sure. I said, so you believe in prayer? She said, I do believe in prayer. I said, so you're a Christian? She said, no. My mother was a Christian. And um, my daddy was an infidel and wouldn't let us go to church. And I've lived as a wicked woman my entire life. And, and, and I'm not saved. And I'm going to die and I'm going to hell. And I said, oh, sister. I said, oh, ma'am, that'd be a terrible thing for you to do. I said, look at my face. I got burnt yesterday in an explosion. She said, I just wondered what was wrong with you. I went, Lord, is it that bad? She, and I said, I'm in awful pain. I'm in terrible shape. And I said, I can't imagine what hell would be like for just one second. And then I got burdened. I got to weep and got to crying. That lady grabbed me by the hand. She said, but preacher, you don't know my past. You don't know how wicked I've been. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've done. I said, the Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Why? Come, saith the Lord. Let us reason together. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to him. He paid the price. He died on the cross. That's why our reward is all the same. There's just one price that's been paid. Amen. Thank God for it. And she got gloriously born again in that place. Honey, you got to let your past go. Your reputation, your relatives, your resentment. You've got to let that stuff go. You've got to overcome some things if you're going to work with both hands. Are y'all okay? Number two in our text, I see another thing we're going to have to over. We're going to, the Bible says in verse one, now these are they that came to David to Ziklag while he yet kept himself close by the house of Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. Number two, you're going to have to overlook some things. <gasps> overlook? Now, preacher, Darren, I don't believe in sweeping things under the carpet. You do it all the time. Sometimes you just have to go to your happy place. There's some things you need to overlook here. David, when these men come to David, he's at Ziklag. The Bible says that he kept himself close. In other words, here's, here's my thought. He shut himself up. In Ziklag, he's bound. He can't, go in, he can't go like he used to go. He doesn't have the freedom. Basically, he's like he was in the cave of Adullam. He's restricted. He's confined to that place. He's willing to narrow his life down for the glory of God. Preacher Darren, I don't like doing that. So here's the thing. The things being narrowed down in your life, if you don't want to do it, here's the thing I believe. There's some places that me as a preacher that I shouldn't go. There's some things that me as the preacher, I shouldn't do. There's some crowds that I shouldn't run with. What about you? Are all things lawful for you? Yeah, all things are lawful. But according to God's grace, are all things what you're supposed to do? Are you supposed to narrow some things down in your life? 
are there some friends that you used to run with, but you don't need to run with them anymore? Maybe there's a boy you need to separate from. There's, there's a family you need to get away from. I'm talking about there, there's some places that you don't need to go anymore. I remember there was a man, he weighed about 350, 400 pounds, and he said, I need to go on a diet. And uh, he started praying, God help me. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to work out. I'm going to walk. I'm going to do what I'm going to do my part. God, would you help me to lose weight? He was burdened about it. And man, he had done that. He had done so good. He had lost hundreds of pounds. And one morning he went by Krispy Kreme and they had the hot and ready sign on. And he started smelling them. And he pulled in the parking lot. He should have never went in there. He pulled in the parking lot. And he said, well, I pray. He said, God, if it's your will for me to have some of these donuts and backslide for just a little bit, let a parking place open up right there in front of the store, the very first one. And God, if that happens, I'll know it's your will. And he said, on my 10th time around the building, some... <laughs> They backed out, and it was just the will of God for me to get a dozen donuts, and I eat all dozen of them. My, honey, I'm telling you, there's some things you ought not to do anymore. There's some places you ought not to go. Preacher, I'm going to sue you because you said don't go to Krispy Kreme. No, honey, you can bring me all the Krispy Kreme you want, amen. I could use some fattening up, amen. But there's some, you get what I'm saying? There's some things we need to be shut up to. We need to, there are some things down in our life. Also, I thought about this. To this family, to these people, to Saul's people, David is a shunned person. Are you willing to associate yourself with someone who's hated? With someone who is uh, looked at as an outcast? May I just remind you that Jesus loves the world, but he's not loved by the world. He's hated by the world. He's considered an outcast. He's been rejected. Are you willing to associate yourself with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, whosoever will confess me before men, I'll confess him before my heavenly Father. And whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father. In other words, if you're ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of you. And these men were not ashamed to be associated with a rebel, with an outcast, they were glad to be part of what was going on. And now they've become enemies as well. May I say this, a third thing. They're going to be associated with a strange population. David's catalog of mighty men, they're not all Jews. They're Moabites. They are Ammonites. They are Hittites that are amongst that catalog of David's mighty men. You may say, uh-oh, preacher Darren, that should never be allowed. Neither should you. You do not belong to be amongst the ranks of the redeemed of God. Neither do I. I'm unworthy and I'm undeserving. And I'm telling you, he saw fit to allow me a Gentile dog, a wicked, wicked, hot gut sinner to be saved. Thank God for it. And now we all, Hittites, Ammonites, Moabites, Jews, Gentiles, we that are saved, we have one thing in common. It is Jesus. And the reason, listen, all of us, we've come from different places. Some of y'all have come from McDowell County. Some of y'all have come from Avery County. Some of y'all come from Mitchell County. Some of y'all come from Yancey County. Some of y'all, listen, some of y'all have come from different paths than I've come from. But here's the unique thing. 
Honey, we've been made one by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we come together tonight, we have one thing in common. It's to uplift His name. It's to praise Jesus. It's not to praise a family. It's not, listen, it's to praise Jesus. That's why we've come together. I'm telling you, you're going to have to overlook this one that's been shunned. You're going to have to overlook this crowd that's come to the Lord Jesus because we don't deserve to be here, amen. You're going to have to look, overlook the fact that there's some shutting down, some narrowing, on, narrowing down going on in your life. Overlook those things, overlook those things. Just focus on Him. You'll be all right, hallelujah. You want to get both hands in the battle? You're going to have to overlook some things, amen. You're going to have to overcome some things. Thirdly, and I'm done, you're going to have to overdo some things. I've got to hurry here, but I get, I get to thinking about they're going to have to do and they're going to have to go what some people will consider to be too far and they're going to have to go what some might say is beyond our ability and beyond our reach. Now I got to thinking, I studied the word on this. What does the name Benjamin mean? Son of my right hand. But the tribe of Benjamin is known to have left-handers all over their tribe. And that's unique to me because I'm a lefty, okay? And I'm telling you that what a contrast. Benjamin, son of my right hand, is best known for the left-handed warriors that they produced. Mighty men of God. And I get this little picture in my mind. There's a mama in the tribe of Benjamin. And she says to some of the boys, hey, y'all, where's little Benjamin? Oh, mama, he's out back. What's he doing out there? Well, he's practicing with the sling, mama. What? He's practicing with the sling. And he's, she said, why is he practicing? I mean, he already, he can, he, he can hit the target with just the, the, the hair's breath. He can hit it that close. Why does he need to practice more? So she goes out and says, son, you can hit that target with a hair's breadth. You practice and practice and practice. I mean, you're so good. But mama, I might get in the battle and my Lord and my king might need me. And mama, I'm trying to get good with my right hand. My left hand's pretty good, but I got to get better with my right hand, mama. That's why I'm out here practicing, mama. I'm going to learn how to sling them stones with my right hand. And man, he'll never see it coming. I'm going at him with both hands wide open. Amen. Some of y'all help me, amen. Come on. Get, get, get both. Come on. Get in it. Both. Use, some of y'all still. And here's where we're going. Woo. Amen. Both hands in the battle. Amen. And the battle will be won when you start praising him with both hands. Lord God. Um, now, I, wanna, I got to start thinking about something here. The Bible says in verse number two, look at it. The Bible says they could use their, they're armed with bows. They could use both the right and the left in hurling stones. So, so here he is, he's able to hurl stones and he's gonna be able to, to, to shoot arrows. So, so after he gets good, mama, I'm good now, slinging with my left hand. And I'm good now, slinging with my right hand. Well, you pray so now, boy, I've, mama, I gotta get back, I gotta start shooting the bow with my left hand, mama, bam. I'm with a hair, bam, look at that. Now, mama, watch this. I'm practicing with my right, too. I, I, I better be ready to shoot, mama. I'm going to shoot and shoot, left, right, head. I'm going to sling stones. Listen, and slinging stones is not enough. I want to do more. 
Well, what, what more are you going to do? I'm going to start shooting bows too. Hallelujah. Well, preacher Darren, what, what more can you do if you're slinging stones and shooting bows? Do it with both hands. Here's, the, here's what I'm saying to y'all, if, if you get it for just a second. I'm, the theme of this message is not I'm going to do less. COVID, the economy. Have you seen gas prices? I mean, we need to do less. Honey, I have good news for you. Did Jesus take care of you when gas was a dollar? He took care of you when gas is $3. And he'll take care of you if gas is $5. He owes the cattle or 10. He owes the cattle on a thousand hills. He's not broke. It's not time to do less. It's time to do more. What more? So I got to questioning. I, I feel like I'm, I, ever, I preach revival at Fletcher First Baptist some months, a month ago or so. And man, I felt like God is calling me to something. And I don't know what he's calling. And calling, maybe calling Aaron, calling me. Your, I don't know. Calling me. What's he calling me to? I think he's calling me to more. Well, preacher there, what more can we do? That's the question. That's the question. What am I doing now? Well, it's not enough. Lord, what more can I do that I'm not doing? Preacher there, what, what are you trying to say? I mean... Lord, have mercy. We, you, you got a Christian school. You got a, you got a Hispanic church. You, preacher, you can't do any more. I could do it with the other hand. I could do it with both hands. I don't need one hand in the world and one hand in the work of God. We need to get busy with both hands. What more can you do as a family? What more can you do as a church? What more can you do as an individual? That's what he's wanting. He's wanting you to get involved in the battle, in praising him and seeking his face with both hands. Do you get his message? You stand to your feet tonight. Seth, I want you to come and I don't nobody move. I just want you to listen to this. Listen to this. Jesus walked into the room after he was resurrected and he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Peace be unto you. They said, Hey, Thomas, man, the Lord come by Sunday night. On resurrection night, you should have seen it. I won't believe it unless I thrust my hands in his side and my eyes see it. I won't believe it. So the next Sunday... I'm telling you, last week we had a time in this place on Sunday night. We had a time, youngins. But somebody will say, I won't believe it. So the Lord walked in again. And you know what he said? Thomas, behold my hands. Now look at me. Both of them. <laughs> he said, son, I gave everything for you. Will you give anything to me? Honey, because he gave the left and the right, because he gave everything to me, I want to give everything to him. It's not mine, it's his. Amen. Your head's bowed, nobody's looking. Is there anybody saying, Lord, <laughs> because you gave to me, Lord, I want to do more, but I don't know what it is. But Lord, I'm coming to surrender. I'm coming to submit. God, show me what I need to do. God, help me. God help folks are coming. Lord, I want to learn to work with my left. And I want to learn to work with my right. I want to 
I want to give you glory in my spiritual life and I want to give you glory in my life of the flesh. God, that my flesh may be crucified daily. Father, I thank you for your precious word and I thank you for our time together tonight. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you because you gave everything, your life's blood, the beating of your heart. You laid down your throne even in glory to come to this earth to take upon yourself my sins and what humiliation and what shame and suffering that you went through. And here I am knowing how you suffered, giving it all. And Lord, I won't give you my best. Lord, I only want to give you half. Lord, I only want to be a casual Christian. Oh God, convict my heart. Melt me, Lord, that I might, Father, have a desire and a burden to do more. And Father, would you help me? Lord, as we put both hands to the work, that all that we do, let it be done for the glory of God. And Lord, what you're calling us to, I don't know what it is. Lord, we're under debt now. Lord, there's so many restrictions. And Lord, we're just having to pretend like, Father, we're just having to overlook some things. But yet, God, we know that you're able, Lord, to take us from this debt and to do a work, God, that's so magnificent and so awesome. And Lord, tonight, I pray, God, that you'd get the glory Yes, God, you'd have the preeminence. Oh, God, there you go. Take it, Lord. And God, you'd have your way with this church. And God, you'd do it for your glory (laughs) and your praise. Help us, God, as we engage in the battle for the cause of Christ with both hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Woo!